Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Thank you very much. Hello everyone. Thank you for having me. It's such a blessing to be here. Um, so, oh great. Wow. So the, the topic for tonight is actually one of my favourite topics. I really love talking about um, why it is important to, um, well, as far as we're concerned, why it's really important to follow Christ, to become Christian. Why not follow another religion? Why not just love the world? You know? Why not just um, let go of everything and just follow the world? I used to ask this question to the youth many years ago. I used to say to them, if tonight you decided that you're going to let everything go, you're going to forget about God, forget about the church, forget about communion, forget about confession, if you're going to um, just leave everything and follow the world, what difference is it going to make to your life? Is it going to make any difference to your life? Just have a think about your own personal life. If it's not going to make a difference to your life, well then you need to search inside your soul to find out as to why that may be the case. But if you're one of those people who will suffer as a consequence of doing something like that, then in my opinion, you're on the right track. Um, If you are going to (coughs) suffer as a consequence of leaving God, leaving the church, becoming atheist, becoming whatever, then you're on the right track. So, why become Christian? What does Christianity have to offer? Despite the fact that Christianity is a very difficult pathway. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, on many occasions, told us how difficult Christianity is. He said, you know, enter through the narrow way, through the narrow pathway. Um, Turn the other cheek. Um, Love those who hate you. Um, uh, pray for those who curse you. This is not something that belongs to the world. You know what the world does. If you're in the world, you, you retaliate. You hate your enemy. You want to fight your enemy. You want to do everything you can to gain as much possession as, as you can. You want to have as much possession as you can. You want to accumulate. You want to store. You want to gather. Because you've got nothing else but the world. So let's start by having a look at some basic theology, really, really basic theology, because I'm basic in my theologies. So uh, if you have a look at, I found this really beautiful picture on the internet of the Lord Jesus Christ at the Mount of Temptation. So that shadow on the left-hand side is the devil showing Christ 
the kingdom, the world. And he's saying to him, if you bow before me, I will give you the kingdom. I will give you all this, right? Obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ rejected that. So, unfortunately, many of us, or many people, bow to the temptation of the temptations of the world, the lusts of the world, and the temptations of the world. So, if you want to... Um, so, let's first of all have a quick look at some basic theology. So, God created us in his image and likeness. Um, and um, so mankind sinned, uh, and when, when he sinned, he lost the image and likeness of God. This is important, because when he lost, uh, when he was out of the kingdom of, of, of um, well, of, of paradise, of the Garden of Eden, he lost the image and likeness of God. So, in Genesis 3.1, the devil makes Eve second-guess herself, right? He makes Eve question whether or not she understood what God's instruction was. Perhaps God meant something else. Perhaps he said something else. Did he really say that not to eat from the tree of knowledge, the God knowledge of, of good and evil? Did he really say that? So she second guesses, guesses herself and she um, decides to take from the fruit and eat. So the devil makes evil believe two lies, that she will not die and that she will be like God. So the first lie is that she will not die, right? And then she believes that. The second lie is even worse than the first one. He said to her, for in the day that you will eat of the fruit, God knows that your eyes will be open and that you will become like God. What does become like God mean? Who is God? God is the source of life, right? And so Eve was made to believe that she can be a source of life unto herself without God. So what the, the devil basically did was lie to Eve and told her that you can do this alone. You can do life alone. You can do everything without God. You don't need God. You can, you know, live alone, marry alone, have children alone, um, work alone, gather alone, and do everything alone. Make decisions alone. Don't consult God. It's not necessary to consult God. So what you have done essentially is that you have cut off the source of life from your life. You have removed God, who is the source of life, away from you, and you are now the source of your own life. So, that's basically what that says. So, the devil tricked them into believing that they can have life without God, Right? When in fact God is the source of life. So when they both sinned, they lost their innocence and they suddenly knew that they were naked and were ashamed and covered themselves with leaves. And therefore mankind became separate from God. He became empty and desolate, purposeless, without any meaning and purpose, yearning to re-establish the presence of God in his soul. And so the Lord Jesus Christ was then, the Son of God was incarnated, um, sorry, incarnate, <laughs> and uh, to re-establish the connection, that connection, to re-graft the broken branch back into the body of Christ once again. And only through Christ 
can we be re-established? Therefore, mankind will forever be searching for meaning and purpose until he finds himself in God. Who said that? Anyone remember who said that quote? Pascal? Oh, no. St. Augustine is who I'm thinking of. He said that when um, I lost everything in the world, I basically, um, I felt like I was on top of the world. When everything was gone, I felt like I was on top of the world. And I did not know that you were always here, right? And um, I, when I found myself in you, I became the happiest person in the world and the freest person in the world. So let's just now have a quick look at what the world has to offer if you're going to follow the world and not Christianity. What does the world have to offer, right? So um, leisure, you know, things like pleasurable things, money and possession, fame and popularity, irreligiosity, self-religion, um, science and evidence-based living. You know, everything has to depend on evidence. If it's not evidence-based, it doesn't exist and you're crazy. You know, um, the Lord Jesus Christ said to the Jews at the time when they came to him and he said, show us a sign. And what he said to them, he said to them, an evil and uh, an evil generation seeks after a sign. So what they're basically saying to him, show us evidence. We want to, so the word sign can be translated into evidence. Show us the evidence that you're God. Because an evil and perverse generation seeks after a sign. If that was translated into today, you could say an evil and perverse generation always looks for evidence. But you can't find evidence in spirituality. Because spirituality is outside of time, space and matter. At the moment, we live within this bubble of time, space and matter. And everything depends on that. And that's how we understand the world. That's, that's how um, um, time, space and matter brings meaning to us within the world. But God is outside of that. So time, space and matter are bound by God. God is not bound by time, space and matter. So the only way to reach God is to go beyond that, right? To go through time, space and matter. And so irreligiosity is whatever you may want it to be. Atheism, agnosticism, belief in other religions, um, you know, you make up your own religions, moral relativity, as they say, you know, my truth is different to your truth, you can have your own truth. Um, truth is relative, you know, we all live by our own truths. This is absolutely incorrect, of course, because we believe that truth is absolute, um, and, um, and it's, not, it's, not it's not relative, it's absolute. So, you know, one plus one is two. It's, it doesn't equal to whatever you want, to however you might feel, so to speak. So, um, and of course, the things that you see up there are very limited in their ability to make you happy very limited in their ability to fulfill, bring meaning and purpose to your soul. I found this image um, on the internet. You can't really see the... Um, I'll read it to you. It's very small. Um, it's, a, it's called a joy map. And if you want to be happy, right, there are so many things that you can do. You can go and see friends learn a musical instrument, play music and listen to it. You can do art, you can become creative, 
you can go to the outdoors and you can go bushwalking and you can travel and you can have family you know you um you've got to take care of your health and so you would exercise you can have a pet and you know be happy with a pet um you can do so many things in life that can make you happy and feel content well it's actually quite true that you may be able to feel content for a little while but that finishes it doesn't last forever that feeling doesn't last forever it's short-lived it's empty it's, it does not last long the only thing that we can do to ourselves um, to um, make our joy everlasting is to have the presence of God in our life right so many years ago I learned this from his greatest bishop Musa the bishop of youth many many years ago he says what's the difference between joy and happiness you know the difference so he said and I think this might be true but I haven't researched it after about 25 years <laughs> so happiness comes from the word happenings the things that are happening around you and so we can be happy right according to the things that are happening around us so our happiness is based on the temporary things that we have right but joy is internal it comes from the inside so happiness is from the outside once our because our happiness depends on the things that are happening around us once the things that are happening around us collapse then our happiness also collapses and it disappears and it fades away but joy is internal and we have an internal joy and internal fulfillment irrespective of what is happening around us on the outside <coughs> so <coughs> everything here is very temporary and it's and it doesn't last long so this is what the world has to offer there was a fellow by the name of, I'm pretty sure everyone knows this guy, Abraham Maslow. Uh, he's a psychologist and he uh, developed this thing called Abraham's uh, Pyramid of, or the Hierarchy of, um, um, needs. sorry? Needs. needs, yeah, that's right, yeah, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And um, so I <laughs> did a bit of work on this and, um, and I, 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 I compared the parts of the brain that are related to each part of the uh, of the triangle here uh, the, the, um, the pyramid so you've got the reptilian complex when our brain is developing in utero it's very simple they call it the, the lizard brain right insects for example and, and, and reptiles and all these kind of creatures they have very very simple brains as a matter of fact they don't even have a full brain, they have just a nervous system that responds to stimuli. Um, so these things respond to things like physiological needs, like food, water, warmth, rest, safety, security. And then you move further up um, into more complicated brain systems and you have a, a, like something like, called the limbic system, which deals with emotions, that's like something a little bit more high. You can find that in animals as well, like dogs and, and, and cats and uh, primates like monkeys and, and apes and things like that but then you move up even higher and you find self-actualization human beings have self-actualization self-actualization is the achieving of your full potential but you can't even keep on doing that forever you can't even 
keep on achieving and achieving and achieving because it comes to an end. One day, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to be the best you possibly can at work. Fantastic. Well done. You're going to be the best you possibly can in accumulating things. Houses, property, investment, cars, and you've got everything. You've got all the possessions that you possibly want. Great. Fantastic. What's that going to do for you? You're still unhappy. You're still empty on the inside, right? So you keep on achieving, you keep on doing all these things, but you're still empty. I attended a, um, a talk by um, one of our priests in a, um, in a wake once, a person had passed away. And uh, there was a wake, he was a young person, and one of the priests was giving this uh, beautiful talk about um, um, what, 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 how a child or a person goes from childhood to adulthood and the things that they experience around themselves and the things that they become aware of. So I took that concept and called it the ladder of awareness. The ladder of awareness. You've got this step ladder of awareness, things that we are aware of. When we get to a certain age in our life where we become aware of the fact that this is not the end, right? The world that we live in right now is not the end. So a child is born and the only thing that it has is its mother. Okay, its mother gives it food, clothing, warmth, affection, and what have you. And then it grows a little bit older and it becomes more aware of the surroundings, of the people, of family, mother and father, brother and sister, and t time, space, and matter. You know, the home that it lives in, the room, and then it goes further on and on and on, and then the person grows a little bit older and they are given some leeway and they're allowed to. Uh, allowed a bit of freedom, they can go outside and ride their bikes so they become aware of the world around them. Then when you become an adult, you become aware through education that the place where we live is hanging in mid-air, right? In the solar system. The Earth is hanging in mid-air in the solar system. It's not air, but it's just hanging in space, right? With nothing around it. And it's interacting with the rest, with the sun and all the planets and gravity and what have you and the stars and you realise, how can this be? Where did all this come from? Certainly mankind didn't do this. So you get to a certain level in your life where you have to ask questions. This cannot be it. There's got to be something beyond that, right? And so, later on in um, Abraham Maslow's um, a triangle pyramid, somebody added another level on top. <clears throat> I don't know who it was, but I'll show you in a sec. Um, if you have a look at the, the picture here on the left-hand side, I put that up there to show you the difference between human beings and animals, right? A lot of people will argue that there's not a lot of difference between human beings and animals, especially if you talk to evolutionists and atheists and things like that, and people like that, they'll say, oh, no, 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 you know, human beings are the same as animals. We've got the same, you know, um, if you have a look at the DNA between apes and humans, for example, it's 97.5 similarity, you know, percent similarity between apes and, and humans. Um, and so if you have a look at these exec eight executive functions, you cannot see a, a lot of these things in animals, for example, like self-control, self-monitoring, 
emotional control, flexibility, the ability to, to adapt you know, to changing conditions, um, organisation, task initiation, working memory, maybe perhaps some animals have working memory, uh, planning and time management. All of these things separate us from animals. And so, if you have a look at the next slide, there's another bit on top of that pyramid that was added later on. It's called transcendence, right? The word transcendence means to break through. Transcendence in Latin means to break through a ceiling or to break through something. And so when human beings get to the stage when they think to themselves, what on earth am I doing? I'm running around accumulating all these things gathering money and gathering possessions and doing all of these things that I still have no meaning and purpose in my life. I'm still empty. I'm still sad. I'm still depressed. You know, I could be the highest paid person in the country. I could have the best of the best jobs in the world, but I'm still empty. And we see that. We see that. We see people in incredibly high positions and all of a sudden they commit suicide. You know, we see people who are incredibly successful in life and doing things and, and you know earning so much money and they've got so much respect and they've been successful and they're winning awards and all this sort of stuff and then all of a sudden you hear that they've plunged into depression and you know they've taken their own life what is that it's because human beings yearn for the presence of god in their life without knowing that it is god that's missing from their life it is the presence of God. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Christianity offers. Christianity offers the one thing that nothing else in the world or any other religion offers. And that is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Right? So the Holy Spirit cannot be given by anybody else. It cannot be given by Islam. It cannot be given by Muhammad cannot be given by um, Hinduism, Buddhism, not even Judaism. The Holy Spirit can only be given in Christianity. Baptism, chrismation, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our heart and then He gives us guidance and He gives us a communication with Christ, communication with God. And He plans our way. He plans our way. There are so many instances in my personal life where I thought, oh my God, how did that happen? You know, it's just like, Joanne, remember that time when I came and turned up to church? <laughs> and, you know, when my son got sick, we were supposed to be going to basketball, my son got sick and we stayed home and I ended up coming here early. When I came here early, I discovered that, you know, it was a good opportunity to serve the Lord in a different way. I don't want to say but <laughs> Anyway, so transcendence, so what is transcendence? When people realise there is more to life than living in the world and chasing after things and achieving earthly goals, then they begin searching for meaning and purpose to their life. They begin asking questions. What's the meaning to my life? Why am I here? Why am I doing all these things? And I've got no meaning and purpose in my life. I'm still sad. You know? Despite the fact I've got everything, I'm still sad and I'm still miserable. It's because I do not have 
God in my life. So most people begin searching for meaning and purpose in other religions. Let's have a look briefly at some of the other religions. So, in Islam, monotheistic religion, you've got the five pillars of Islam, right? You've got the Shahada, which is basically the, um, uh, the, the pledging allegiance to Allah. Um, and then you've got the prayer, fasting, giving of arms, and doing the Hajj, right? You still, every single one of those things are in the world. Whatever you might do. I mean, the only thing here that might give you some kind of communication with God is prayer. But who are you praying to? Here, there's no clear goal as to who you're praying to in the religion of Islam, right? This, I say all this, of course, with my due respect to my brothers and sisters in, in Islam. <clears throat> so you've got Buddhism as another example. <clears throat> it's a non-theistic religion. <clears throat> um, there was this guy by the name of, many years ago, apparently, in the 5th of the 6th century BC, by the name of Siddhartha Gautama. Siddhartha Gautama started Buddhism. And the word Buddha... Right? It's not a name. It's an actual level of awakening. So Buddha or Buddhism, in their language, is to be awakened or to be enlightened. So that's what Buddhism is. But it wasn't started by a person called Buddha. It was started by this guy called Siddhartha Gautama. Right? So then you have a look at... This is a, you've got five precepts. Right? Don't kill. This is what they say. Don't kill. Good. Don't have sensual pleasure. Good. Don't say bad things about people. Good. Don't drink. Good. So it's a system of moral conduct. That's fantastic. But then what? You're going to do good. You're going to behave yourself. You're going to be kind to everybody. But then what? You're still empty on the inside. You need something that can objectively fill your heart and soul. Not just a system of philosophy to follow, that's not going to do anything for you. You need the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit within your soul. You need to, to transcend through this, this dome of time, space and matter that we live in. The only way you can do that, there's only two ways you can do that. Through prayer and through Holy Communion. Because when you have Holy Communion, you're having the body and blood of Christ, right? There's power in Holy Communion. There's power in prayer. There's power in communion with the Holy Spirit. And that is how we communicate with God who is outside of time, space and matter. It's the only way we can do it. And that's the only way we can really be joyful internally on the inside. And so what else have we got here? Hinduism, right? Hinduism is a polytheistic religion. There are five teachings. Isn't it interesting how so far we've got five of everything? Right? We've got five pillars in Islam, five precepts in Buddhism, five teachings in Hinduism, and then, of course, we have Judaism. Right? And then they've got five books. <laughs> the five books of Moses, the Torah. So, in Hinduism, the teaching is about life, death, reincarnation, do good, and doing good and karma. So, you're still doing things in the world. All of these religions are telling you to do things in the world. Whereas in Christianity, God says, 
You don't have to do anything except allow me to come to you and live inside your heart, live inside your soul. And I mean, it's a bit of a catch-22 because you still have to do something in order to allow that to happen. <laughs> and the thing that we do is prayer, right? We spend some time in prayer and we spend time in, you know, serving the Lord and coming to church because the church is the only place where you can get communion. The church is really the only place where you can commune with Christ. And we commune with each other. It's the body of Christ, right? We are like branches within the body of Christ. So... Okay, so Christianity. What does Christianity have to offer? Why should I be a Christian? So the Lord Jesus Christ said all of these things enter by the narrow gate. Carry your cross. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Pray for those who hate you. Wash each other's feet. You have to die to live. And you have to humble yourself in order to be exalted. You have to serve everyone else, right, in order to be a leader. So there is all these paradoxes where you've got to humble yourself in order to be exalted. You've got to become a servant in order to be a leader. You've got to, you know, wash your brothers and sisters' feet um, in order to show love in the service. You've got to turn the other cheek. If somebody slaps you on the cheek in the world, what do you do? <laughs> you know what I want to say. But <clears throat> you, this is Christianity. It's, it's difficult. It's, but it's difficult to those who don't get it. Is that right? You know, it's like a mathematical problem. If you've got a mathematical problem and you can't understand how to solve it, then it becomes difficult. But if you can understand how to solve it, then it's a mystery. It becomes a mystery to you and the way in which you solve it is a mystery. And that's what Christianity is. There is a mystery in entering by the narrow gate, in living life in the narrow pathway. There is a mystery in carrying the cross because there's joy there. This is how we become fulfilled. We become fulfilled and we become full within our souls when we carry the cross. Jesus said to carry the cross. If Jesus was wrong, if he wasn't telling us the truth, then we'd carry the cross and we'd be absolutely miserable. But I know people who are carrying their cross who are absolutely joyful. Absolutely joyful. And their crosses are really, really heavy. You go, for example, into the house of a person whose child has a very severe disability. And you see mum, you know, caring for a 20 or a 25-year-old man who is in nappies and he needs to be hoisted in and out of bed and he needs to be, you know, um, washed and bathed in bed and fed through a peg in his stomach and he's non-verbal and he's intellectually disabled. And you see <clears throat> the joy of mum's face when she's serving her child. She, you know, um, this is love. Love is not um, Valentine's Day romance with flowers and sunshine. And, you know, that's not what love is. Love is, is labour. Labour of love. St. Paul calls love labour. He, he compares it to the labour, to doing labour, to doing hard work. 
This is love. Anyway, so why? Because, like we said, there is mystery in choosing to suffer. There is mystery in serving others. There is mystery in humility. There is mystery in offering and preferring other people um, over yourself. There's mystery in obedience. And there's mystery in trusting in the word of God and in trusting in the Lord no matter what happens. So, Christianity is a faith. It's a belief. It's a lifestyle. Christianity is not necessarily orthodoxy, Catholicism or Protestantism. Christianity goes way beyond that. Christianity is a relationship with Christ. It's not a system of rules. It is a relationship with God who has promised eternal life. Christianity is the only faith that offers a solution to the problem of pain, suffering and evil. I remember watching a documentary about a debate between an atheist and a Christian. The Christian's name is um, uh, Professor John Lennox. He's a very famous debater around the world. And he was debating this guy called Christopher Hitchens, who was also a very famous atheist. And then, at some point in the discussion they were having, he says to Hitchens, he says to him, um, you might very well make people believe that there is no God, but you cannot offer a solution to the problem of pain and suffering in the world. Christianity, when Christ comes and lives in your heart, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart, it gives you comfort, it gives you peace, it gives you hope. This cannot be offered by anything else. It cannot be offered by any other religion. So why should you come to Christianity? Because of the mystery of peace, the mystery of love, the mystery of hope, the mystery of comfort. There are two people in the world. One who suffers a disaster in their life, who is not a Christian, and the other one is a Christian who suffers the same kind of disaster in their life. And you see the person who is a true Christian, a person who truly holds on to God, to God's promises, to God's word, and a person who practices prayer. We are not immune from suffering. Christianity is not an insurance policy against disaster. We can suffer insurance. We can suffer disasters in our life. Absolutely. But the difference is that the Christian has hope. The Christian has the Holy Spirit dwelling in their soul. The Christian has guidance from God, from the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, whereas one person who doesn't believe might end up in despair and they might end up thinking about killing themselves, and the Christian, because of their hope, because of the peace that they receive through Christ, it's a different story. So, we've said all those things already. Yeah, so um, a long, long time ago, I attended a talk. Um, and this person was, gave this allegory, it's like a poem, and he said one day there was a person who was walking in the bush and he fell down a hole. Have you guys heard this poem? Right? And several people come along. Right? 
So it falls down a very, very deep hole and he's screaming and yelling, help me, get me out, get me out. And so Muhammad comes along and he says to him, do your five pillars of Islam, the Shahada, pray, give arms, fast, and do the Hajj. And he walks off and he leaves the man in the hole. The man is still in the hole. Buddha comes along and he says to him, your pit is only a state of mind. Think about getting out. And he walks off and leaves him. Confucius says to him, he comes along, he says to him, if you had listened to my wisdom and philosophy, you wouldn't be in the pit. And he walks off, he judges him and he walks off and he leaves him. And then a Hindu person comes and says, you must have done something in your past life to deserve this. Karma. Karma's got you. If you're lucky, you might be reincarnated as a creature to climb the walls and you can get out of the pit. And then he walks off and leaves him in the pit, in the hole. And then the Jew walks by and says, only bad people fall into the pit, obey the commandments, and then he walks off. And then a new age religionist comes along and he says, rub a few crystals and gemstones and it might help you tolerate your situation. And he walks off. An evolutionist says, you are a rejected mutant destined to be destroyed by natural selection. You may as well just stay there and die. <laughs> and he walks off. And then the Lord Jesus comes along and he throws the man a rope and he pulls him out. And he gives him a big hug and says, welcome home. This is the difference between Christianity and anything else. So, I don't know about you, but it looks like I'm preaching to a bunch of Christians. <laughs> you know, um, why should you all choose Christianity? You've all chosen Christianity. You're all baptized Christians. But I would like to um, invite everybody, for those of us sitting here tonight who have not experienced the beauty um, of being nourished by the Holy Spirit, being nourished by Christ. And the only way to do that is to do it constantly. The only way to do that is to spend time with the Lord. Um, time is the only thing that is of yourself that you can give to somebody. You can give to somebody a gift, you can give them money, you can give them any kind of possession, but these things are outside of you. They don't belong to you. The only thing that actually belongs to you is time. When you give somebody your time, you're actually giving your, of yourself to that person. This is why it is absolutely crucial to give God our time. When we give God our time, we're giving God our actual self. This is why the Lord in the Old Testament on so many different occasions, said to the Jews, I reject your sacrifices. I don't want your sacrifices. They mean nothing to me. It is more important to give the Lord your time. And when you give the Lord your time, there's not much more that you can do apart from pray and read the Bible. The two most important things that you were taught in Sunday school and that ring true after so many years. I invite everybody to experiment with giving your time to God. And it doesn't have to be hours. 
It can be maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but it has to be constant. No matter what, take it seriously. 20 minutes, say, every morning and every night. That's nothing. In 24 hours, that's absolutely nothing. Whether you're going to read the Ekbeya, read some Psalms, read the Bible. The Bible and the Ekbeya, there is power coming from them. It's the Word of God. It's like coming to church and receiving Holy Communion. There's power in Holy Communion. There's power in the body and blood of Christ. It's, it's a mysterious power that you don't see. But it gives you a spiritual power that nothing else can give you. And this is why Christianity trumps, not Christianity, but a relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship with God. Even something deeper than just Christianity. Because many people can say, I'm Christian, but I'm not really Christian deep down inside. This is what Christianity has to offer. Glory be to God forever. God bless you. <laughs> if anybody has any questions, let's all share. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.